Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this week's Disney at Work podcast. Today, we ask the question, what if the Golden Girls piloted the Millennium Falcon? And then you're thinking, what? What are we talking about? Is this like that B. Arthur appearance on the Star Wars holiday special? <laughs> no, no, it, uh, it isn't that. Uh, we're talking about the Golden Girls, and we're talking about the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. You know, the Falcon requires everyone to have different assignments. Some are uh, pilots, some are gunners, and some are engineers. Imagine you had Dorothy, Rose, Blanche, and Sophia all gathered together at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. You had to create assignments for the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. Who would you assign to be the pilot? Who would you want to be the gunner? Who would you want to have as the engineer? And why would you want to do that? And while we're on that topic, how well do you think all four would work in the cockpit? How well do you think they would work together? That's kind of what we're exploring here in this podcast. And you want to make sure you also follow along in our show notes page because we have a lot to share there based on uh, the topic we're covering today. Before we talk about the Golden Girls, let's talk about the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. It's a great attraction at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I mean, let's face it. Who wouldn't want a chance to take over the Millennium Falcon and drive it? Well, the success on Smuggler's Run requires working together as a team. You may know the entire crew because they're all friends and family of yours, and then again, you may not know anyone else on board because you've come aboard as a single rider. So let's look at some tips and ideas for making your next mission on the Millennium Falcon a successful one in terms of being a team player. First, know your mission, know your purpose. One of the challenges with Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is that there's really two agendas going on. Chewie has given over the Falcon so that the Resistance can get as much needed coaxium and supplies in their quest to fight the First Order. Hondo Anaka wants to do the same but he's doing it largely for the profit he'll earn. One mission, two purposes. The same applies to you. Your mission, of course, is to get the coaxium. But what is your purpose? To get as many points as possible? Be better than anyone else on the team? Or, or is it really to have fun while making memories that last a lifetime? Experience the happiness of a Disney Star Wars attraction and being in that world. Be sure that your purpose when riding this attraction is to enjoy the experience more than just simply having a perfect score. Message is, know your mission, know your purpose. Next, embrace your role as a leader. There are different roles, and you may not get the one you want, but embrace the role you get because each role plays an important part. Know that if you waited in an extended line, you could ask for a given role that you prefer and they will try to accommodate you. If you go to this, through the single rider queue, you'll be asked to accommodate 
a role that hasn't been filled. And that role usually is back in the last row of seats as an engineer. Rather than focusing on the role you've been assigned, maybe you should focus on the role you could play. You could be a cheerleader, an advocate, a teacher, and a support to any, in any position on the ship. Being a leader on board doesn't require you to be in the pilot seat. It does require you being aware of and supporting others during the ride. The message here is this. More important than the team role you are assigned is the role you play as the leader. Now, there are different duties, as we mentioned, in these different roles. So let's talk about the duties you have for success. Much of what you will uh, make, uh, much of what will make you successful as a team is knowing your duties and how important you are to the team's success. So let's look at each role and how they make a difference to the entire team. The first is the right pilot. There are two pilots, a left pilot and a right pilot. Perhaps the right pilot is the most coveted position in the cabin. That's because you not only get to be one of the pilots, but when it's time to punch it to light speed, you get to pull on the lever. This opportunity happens as you exit Batu and upon your return at the end of the ride. The right pilot also controls the ship, but it only does so vertically. This may seem strange as you'll soon realize that you have no direct control for going right or left. That means you have to work effectively with the other pilot. The message here is this, even the best team position is going to have its limits. You cannot do it all on your own. Next is the left pilot. Perhaps the more critical of the two piloting roles is the left pilot. It's simply because you have the responsibility to move left or right. Know that whatever role you get, less is more. This means it doesn't take much to pull on the controls for your ship to go up, down, or sideways. You want to be sensitive to those controls. You don't want to overdo it. Otherwise, you'll be hitting walls on both sides as you move through. Most people don't realize that the left pilot is also responsible for the brake. Look for the red brake light in the console. When that thing lights up, take immediate action to hit the button. Honda will also tell you to do so, but by then it just may be too late. So be aware, look for that red blinking light. The message with the left pilot is, less is sometimes more as a team member and you have to be on the lookout uh, for the things that you're responsible for. The next set of positions is one of gunners. Gunners shoot at objects. Much of the time of that will consist of shooting at TIE fighters, but occasionally you'll be instructed to shoot at other objects as you go through your journey. Gunners have two options, automatic and manual. If you are someone who is not really into video games, the automatic function may be your best bet. In this instance, all you need to do is press the button every time you need fire, and that's quite often, so you'll be busy doing that. If you choose to go to the manual mode, you'll have three options to choose from. 
The top button allows you to aim high. The bottom button allows you to aim low. And of course, the middle button puts you right there at the center. If you think you're good at video games, well, then you ought to try playing, going to manual mode. But you have to know your strengths and you have to play to those strengths. The good news is that you never run out of ammunition. So you'll be able to hold down your button and constantly fire. But it won't mean as much if you're not aiming. Consider placing keeping three fingers, left hand if you're the left gunner, right hand if you're the right gunner, throughout the experience on the three options for high, middle, and low. Doing so will allow you to watch the screen while you are in flight. The message for gunners is this. Great team members know their strengths and they play to it. Finally, we have engineers. Now, here's another important role, but not necessarily how you envision it. Technically, the responsibility of the engineers is to keep the ship powered up and to press flashing buttons that repair ship systems that are damaged largely by TIE destroyers or in hitting objects like meteors. Engineers also fire harpoons by pushing the round button, then reeling them in. Since you have the last row of the ship, it's kind of easy to dismiss this position. Some even prefer it because they, don't have, they think that they really don't have to do that much. Just sit back and watch. Technically, though, you actually have a bigger array of buttons to click on than the gunners. The gunners click the same button and click them frequently, but you got buttons all over the place. Furthermore, the role of an engineer is even bigger than that. From your position in the last row, you get to see the big picture of what's going on in the cockpit. Many pilots come off the Falcon so immersed in every little detail, their own little assignment, they didn't get a chance to get the necessary context. You can provide that from the seat you're in and offer feedback and support in a way others can't. Here's the message. Great team members see the big picture. Now, with those roles and those duties in place, the next thing is to provide and give support. As you get lined up and as you find out who's on your team and you get ready to go into the Millennium Falcon, interact, inquire about the experience of others. Consider, for instance, uh, this dialogue. Turning to those around you and say, hey, is this everybody's first time? If it is, assure them they're going to have a lot of fun, especially if you've been on it before. If they respond positively, provide a supportive piece of advice like, hey, one of the things I've heard from others who've been pilot is that less is more. You don't have to actually move the throttle very much to move it one way or the other. Or consider this scenario. Maybe you haven't been on the Millennium Falcon before. Consider asking the question to others. Hey, uh, has anybody else done this before? Oh, you have? Well, do you have any tips for me in that role? Listen and thank them for their advice. You have an opportunity, even before you get on the ship, to start interacting and getting to know people and uh, supporting others on uh, your team. As you get on, as you go through the experience, if you've built that interaction, then you're going to be able to share that with others as you go through. So find opportunities to build and support your team. More importantly, recognize others. At the end, you're going to get a score individually and collectively. 
below, um, well, let me just give an example of this. A maximum profit of 13,000 is technically possible on a run. Of course, Hondo has to have his cut, and if there's damage to the ship, well, that's taken off as well. Based on your total score, you also receive a ranking as pirate, marauder, hotshot, scoundrel, some kind of title like that. The fact of the matter is, it's going to be pretty unlikely you get to the top 13,000. Because, you know, Honda's always playing games with you. So the truth is, it's not about getting a perfect score. In fact, your first time out in the Millennium Falcon may not result in a good score at all. You'll especially know that when things... Uh, that things didn't go well when you walk outside of the cockpit and you see burned out circuits or you hear those circuits kind of um, burning out and you hear voices beyond talking about oh, God, what a mess of Falcon and how are we going to get this thing repaired? The fact of the matter is, is um, you just may not do so well. I know that when I went on one of my first journeys, there were there was this dad and this little girl in the pilot position. Oh, man, I felt like we had knocked into everything there. With not having said anything to them before, not having interacted with them before, not having associated with them before, we even got into the cockpit. I humorously said at the end of the, uh, the journey, I, I kind of humorously said as we were finishing up, I said, well, I, I, I thought the intent was to not hit everything. <laughs> immediately the dad kind of pulled, well, it's a lot harder than you think, you know. He was trying not to be defensive, but at the same time, he was kind of being defensive because he felt bad that he didn't play that well. The fact of the matter is, it just didn't matter. If I had built a relationship up front and said, hey, who's done this before? You know, uh, this is my first time. Anybody's got any tips? And just kind of kept a sense of humor of it. I think it would have worked out a lot better going in. The fact is, as you finish up, you know, you need to just laugh at your own results, whatever they may be. Share with others how much fun you had. Oh, that was cool. Recognize contributions of others. Man, you really made it through that meteor storm. Ask others around you, what'd you like most about this? Or maybe just identify something you might do differently next time. I think maybe I'll try manual instead of automatic. Well, anyway. Be supportive. Remember to be positive. Hey, it's Disney. Thank goodness TIE Fighters really aren't coming after you in real life and that there isn't a bounty on your head. <laughs> Enjoy the moment while you are in it and play as a team. That's the opportunity that you have to interact and play as a team on board the infamous Millennium Falcon. So our subject here is what if the Golden Girls commandeered the Millennium Falcon? What would happen? Well, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, do you remember what was there before Galaxy's Edge? Well, actually, it was Lights, Motors, Action. That was a high-energy stunt show that featured uh, automobiles against an elaborate background of, of kind of a Mediterranean village in the south of France. Uh, it it officially opened, what was about May of 2005. The show featured three separate hero cars, five pursuit vehicles, four pursuit, uh, motorcycles, and two personal watercraft, plus a bunch of pyrotechnics and physical stunt work. 
The cars, while they appear to be typical of cars found in Europe, were actually reinforced with um, Raleigh Carveral cages for driver safety. They had powerful motorcycle engines with four forward gears and four backward gears. And yet the cars weighed actually very little, about half of what you'd find in a standard car. The drivers in that show wore the same suits as professional race car drivers. And one stunt performer uh, actually wore a specially treated suit that protected him from fireballs that would billow up to 40 feet in diameter. Meticulous planning, practice, timing, they were all required to perform each stunt. Talk about your teamwork. Some 10 to 12 mechanics work behind the scenes to ensure the safe performance of each of those vehicles. Drivers practiced for 10, out, 10 weeks before appearing in the actual show because they uh, must work with 13 other performers to hit their mark safely. The show is, is really, if you think about it, the show is like a ballet on wheels. And it's important that you understand that each performer had to be able to effectively work as a member of a team. That's the power of teamwork, is coming together, knowing your mark, knowing your contribution, knowing that you create a greater whole. Now, before Lights Motors Action moved in, its location included a residential street that was part of the Backlot Tour. Maybe you remember this, but perhaps one of the most iconic of all the homes on that street was the one from the Golden Girls. In truth, the Golden Girls started in 1985 and the studios didn't open until 89. The house on the exterior set was actually a recreation of a home that uh, was in Brentwood, California. Again, that was all part of the illusion of television. The Golden Girls was the first television series produced by Disney under its Touchstone label, long before the company's acquisition of ABC. It was one of Disney's first attempts to create mainstream programming outside of its uh, known family child niche. Each episode of The Golden Girls began with this song. Perhaps you remember it. Despite the antics of the Golden Girls, you would have supposed that these four ladies were pretty close. They always came together at the end of each episode. But, you know, some relationships can't be fixed in a 22-minute sitcom. Certainly, the actresses of the Golden Girls were professional in their work. But just like any four people put into a shared house, they had their challenges. The biggest issue seemed to be B. Arthur's attitude toward Betty White. There may have been several reasons for it. B. may have thought of herself as a star among the ensemble. She had had a very successful TV show 
uh, playing the role of Maude. Uh, after all, while Betty White had a long career in television, uh, she never starred in her own show like B. Arthur did. A friend of B told The Globe once that B thought Betty acted as if she was the star of the show, and that Betty even tried to tell B how to deliver her lines, something that many seasoned actors would not have tolerated. Added to that, in the first year, all four actresses were nominated for Emmys, but only Betty White received the award. Former girl, Golden Girl, Rue McClanahan stated, quote, B never confided in me why she felt the way she felt about Betty. Betty always asked me why. And I'd always say, you know how B is, Betty. B gets a B in her bonnet and just doesn't like certain things. And I don't know why. B, for instance, didn't like people who wore baseball caps backwards. That really got to her. We were interviewing directors one time and it, Someone came in with a baseball cap worn backwards. <laughs> he didn't stand a chance, end of quote. Rue McClanahan was known as the peacekeeper among the two. She had worked with B on Maude, and she had also worked with Betty White in Mama's Family in one Christmas episode. Rue, playing Blanche, was to give the girls a calendar with pictures of all the men she'd slept with. For practical joke during rehearsal, she got the men on the show to pose for that calendar and substituted their pictures for the ones in the calendar. It drew a lot of laughs from the small ensemble. Moments like these serve to keep the cast and crew together. It seems a pity that relationships can often be petty. In the end, all four actresses received Emmys for their performances on the show. And The Golden Girls is the first Disney television show where the entire cast were made Disney legends. Their overall success came not because of their individual contributions, but because of the contributions of a working ensemble. And being part of an ensemble requires letting others take their turn in the sun. Despite that, Hollywood has always had its share of professional rivalries, such as, well, Dean Martin, Larry and Jerry Lewis, William Frawley and Vivian Franz, who were Fred and Ethel Mertz of I Love Lucy. Buddy Ebsen, who played Jed, and Nancy Culp, Miss Jane Hathaway, had political differences on the Beverly Hillbillies, and Terry Hatcher and the rest of the female ensemble of Desperate Housewives. Curiously, the lyrics to the Golden Girls theme are from a song originally written and recorded by Andrew Gold who was born just down the street from the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank. His mother was Marnie Nixon, whose claim to fame was that she provided the singing voices for Natalie Wood in West Side Story, Deborah Kerr in The King, of, King and I, and Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady. She also sang for Grandmother Fa in Mulan. Nixon could speak volumes about giving credit to others. She was the model to Andrew Gold. Andrew, considered himself, had a great career as a singer, songwriter, musician, and arranger. Even though he had had a hit with Lonely Boy, he enjoyed collaborating and performing with many stars who didn't like working with others, including Cher, Brian Wilson, Diana Ross, Fred McCartney, and Art Garfunkel. Gold may not 
be one of the biggest names in the music industry, or one that you may know, but he worked with many who were. In that spirit of collaboration, his opportunities were enormous, largely because he gave credit to others. Listen this time again to the lyrics for Thank You For Being A Friend. This is actually sung by Andrew Gold and his band, and it's actually the official lyrics of the song. I think they have important messages as well. Thank you for being a friend Travel down the road and back again Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant I'm not ashamed to say I hope it always will stay this way My hat is off, won't you stand up and take a bow Thank you 
again the lyrics. I'm not ashamed to say, I hope it always will stay this way. My hat is off. Won't you stand up and take a bow? Great teamwork is inviting those around you to stand up and take a bow. Here's to the success of those who work well with others, especially on the same team. It's important on a TV set. It's important with a high energy stunt show. It's even important when you're commandeering the Millennium Falcon. And it's especially true in any day-to-day organizational business relationship. Even though Hollywood is about illusion, it's about the reality of working well with others. Some souvenirs for your organization. What small things put a bee in my bonnet and keep you from being a friend to others? How can I be a peacemaker on my team? If I only had 22 minutes, what relationships could I repair by making just a little bit of effort? What relationships require more than 22 minutes effort? How can I build relationships by giving greater credit to others? And how does my need to be in the spotlight keep me from having greater success? Well, Thank you for being a friend and joining us today for this podcast. There's a two show notes page for this uh, podcast that we've shared for you. The tips for being a great team member on the Millennium Falcon you can find at DisneyAtPlay.com. Our story and uh, some videos and other things about uh, the Golden Girls you can find at DisneyAtWork.com. If you're listening to us, you undoubtedly have a love of all things Disney. Don't you wish you could just bring the magic to your own place of employment? Well, that's what we do at Disney at Work. We bring you best in business ideas from the happiest place on earth to you and your workplace. We bring those concepts to you via our posts, podcasts, videos, books, programs, and consulting. The story I shared about the Golden Girls is part of my book, Disney's Hollywood Studios. From showbiz to your biz. It doesn't feature Galaxy's Edge or Toy Story Land, but it does share the rich heritage of this studio theme park and the parent studio behind it. You definitely want to check it out on Amazon. I'm also thrilled to share with you that we have many events, books, and programming available to you. If you want to know more about Disney at Work offerings, please subscribe by signing up to receive one of our free guides to include a complete guide to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge offering hundreds of unique photos, videos, and interactive maps. You could sign up for our newsletter at Disney at Work or Disney at Play and be able to receive all of those benefits. Hey, Disney at Work is part of Performance Journeys where we're committed to helping you improve your organization If you would like a keynote speaker or a seminar for your business or conference event, we offer a variety of topics and leadership, employee engagement, even teamwork. We could do a program uh, that really meets your needs, whether you're in the public, private, or nonprofit sector. Know that when you do, you're working with someone who has successfully applied these ideas in the trench for scores of years. 
well, not scores of years, but definitely for scores of organizations over the many years I've been involved. For more information, visit us at performancejourneys.com. Better yet, just reach out to me by email and phone. Talk to me about what's happening in your workplace and how we can support. Listening is the best gift I can give you. Feel free to reach out and discuss your needs. Hey, well, thank you for joining this week's show. We appreciate you taking the time to listen and really appreciate those who take the time to share this podcast with others like it with your friends and colleagues. In the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, be sure to follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day.